my name is Alex Barthet. I am a board certified construction attorney here in Florida. And today we're going to talk about the top three lean release mistakes you cannot afford to make. Um, and it's a great topic to start uh, the year with so that you don't make any of these mistakes as we go forward to make sure you collect all the money you deserve. So today's agenda, um, we're going to go over three mistakes. Mistake number one, using the wrong form of release. Mistake number two, not using a conditional release. And mistake number three, using the wrong through date in your release. All right, so let's get right into it. Mistake number one, using the wrong form of release. Now, remember, I'm an attorney. So people don't come to me with good news. They come to me with uh, problems. So I spend my whole day solving other people's problems. And what I'm going to go through with you today in this presentation are the things that I see uh, our clients make mistakes at um, in things that they actually shouldn't need to make mistakes on. Um, so the one, the one that I see is the biggest is using the wrong form of partial release or final release. So the question is, which one should you use? So you need to understand that the form of release that you use is dependent on whether or where you are in the construction uh, process. So if you're the general contractor or a subcontractor, that's going to dictate the form of release that either you should use or you have to use. And we're going to, I'm going to go through some very specific examples of release forms for you so you understand. The general theory that you should be employing is that you want to give a narrow release. You want to give away the fewest rights possible when you get a check. So if I'm getting a check from somebody and I'm giving them a release, I'd like to give them the fewest things in that release as possible. And the converse is also true. If I'm giving someone a check and I'm getting a release, I want to get a release that is that is as broad as possible so that I know that I never have to worry about a claim showing up later with respect to this um, subcontractor or sub-subcontractor. So let's take a look at some forms of releases so you understand how they work. Um, so the easiest one to start with are the ones that are found in Chapter 713, which is the lien statute. Um, so this is right out of the statute. This is a, a standard form release. This is what I would consider the most common release form on most construction projects. Um, so let's break down how it works. Uh, so it has a little spot for money. So the undersigned lien or in consideration of some, of some amount of money. Uh, hereby waves and releases its lien and right to claim a lien for labor services or materials furnished through, and it has a date. We're going to talk a lot more about the through date. Um, and notice that the only thing that it's giving up are lien and lien rights. It doesn't say anything else about change orders or claims or contracts or delays. Um, we're going to talk about that later. But this is a release of lien for a certain amount of money through a certain amount of time. Very basic, uh, the, one of the most basic lien releases you can have. 
Now, if you look at the statutory uh, chapter 713 waiver and release of lien upon final payment, it is pretty much the same, except it's missing one key piece of information, and that is it does not have a through date. It has a little spot for how much money you're getting, but it doesn't have a through date. The only date in this document is the date that it's executed. And the reason that's important is that if you sign a release with uh, like this and you are expecting a check through um, November, right? You're, you're expecting to release your rights through November. But if you sign this release and it has no through date and you sign it today, you're giving up all of your lien rights through today. And we're going to talk again a lot more about this, why the through date is so important. But understand that's the main difference between a progress release and a final release. A progress release has a through date, at, which is some date in the past. And a final release typically has no through date, which means it's effective on the day you sign it. So now here's another form of release. And you should already notice some big differences, right? It's got a lot more words in it. And the first thing you should be aware of is that when there are more words, you're probably giving up a lot more rights. So let's break down this release. So it talks about $10. We'll talk about that in a minute. And look at all the things that you're giving up. This is a lien release. Uh, or a release of any and all claims, change orders, works, materials, delays, fees, costs, losses, expenses, damages, and or, or sums for the labor services or materials furnished to the improvements. So if you had a delay claim or a change order claim, this release uh, releases all of those rights. The prior release does not, but this one does. So you just need to be aware if you have other claims, and we'll talk about that in a minute, um, those those rights to those other claims are being released when you sign this. Um, it also has a through date, uh, just like the other form of release did. This one goes on to talk at the end about um, other things, which again, we see existing releases. So this release goes on at the end to say, the undersigned warrants and represents that it has paid all the bills to anybody that's owed money on the project. It goes on to say the undersigned further warrants that all work has been supplied um, pursuant to the contract documents. Um, so this is a, a type of release that's pretty standard on larger contracts with more sophisticated general contractors so that they know that every time you sign a release that they are <clears throat> wiping out all claims from the through date back of any kind, delays, change orders, claims, and they're getting you to make some affirmative representation that you've paid all your bills and you've done all your work correctly. Let's go back to that $10 for a minute. That $10 um, is pretty common. Uh, it's typically used for two reasons. One reason is that if you sign a release, uh, sorry, if you send a notice to owner before you do any work, you're going to be asked to give a lien release every month because you gave a notice to owner. As a result, because you haven't done any work and you're not getting it, what do you put in that space? So people typically put $10. So that's one instance when it's pretty common. The other reason is um, 
many folks who are giving you a check don't want to argue about whether the check should have been 10,000, 30,000, 100,000. So if they give you a $30,000 check and you're expecting a $50,000 check, but they write $10, the release is still effective because it doesn't talk about how much you were supposed to get. So for example, if this release said, in, in consideration of the sum of $50,000, but when you showed up, they only gave you a $30,000 check, you would have an argument to, later to say, well, this release is no good because um, it says for $50,000 and I only got $30,000. Now, if they wrote $10 and you're expecting $50 and they gave you $30 and you signed a release, you signed this release that said $10, the judge more likely than not is going to say, well, I guess you decided to take 30 instead of 50. And this release is not conditioned on 50. It says $10 and you got 30. That's a lot more than um, $10. So I'm going to make sure that uh, you're bound by it. So our advice generally is if you are giving someone a check and you are getting a release, you should say that the release is for $10. If you are getting a check and giving a release, we advise that the release should say the amount of money you are expecting to get. So if you're expecting to get 50, um, you should change that to 50. Some contractors will allow you to change it, some will not. So if you agree to a certain form of release in your contract, um, so when we review contracts for clients, uh, general contractors uh, or subcontractors, sub-subcontractors, one of the exhibits sometimes is the form of release that they expect to use. Um, so when you sign the contract, it may have lots of exhibits. One of those exhibits may be a re the release forms. If you sign a contract and that contract says every time you are going to, uh, every time you're going to submit a pay request, you're going to use exhibit um, T for the partial release form. Well, that's the that's the form you have to use. The other way it's sometimes written in the agreement is it says that you agree to use a form of release that is uh, acceptable to the general contractor. If you sign a contract that says that, then you are bound to provide that release when you get your check. So what can you do? You should negotiate the form of release as part of your contract negotiations. When you're reviewing the contract, um, when they give it to you, don't just look at the scope and the price and the schedule. You need to look at all of the legal terms and the exhibits, including the forms of releases that you're going to be asked to sign every time you get a check. So here's a pro tip for you. Um, you need to add exceptions to the release if you want to carve out any unexecuted change orders or claims. So, for example, if in this pay period I have submitted uh, a, whether you call it a SCO or PCO or uh, whatever acronym you use for your change order that you have submitted to the contractor who may be submitting it to the owner, um, so maybe you call it a PCO seven, right? So this pay period, you have PCO number seven. It hasn't been approved yet and you've done the work. 
So when you sign one of those broad form releases, you're giving up all your rights to claims and changes and delays, including this potential change order. So you need to carve it out. So sometimes releases have a little spot in it where you can carve out where it has, if you have any exceptions, list them here. Um, so you would list the you know PCO number seven as an exception. What you have to be careful of, and, and I hear clients tell me this all the time, but I signed the release, which was included with my pay app and my entire package of, of uh, pay request documents. Maybe it was through Textura, maybe it's the old fashioned way, just everything uh, prepared in paper and scanned and sent to them. And included in that package was my PCO log or in my pay request that went with the release, I had you know, some additional claims that I put in there. If those things that you are hoping are extras um, or exceptions are not part of the release, that release is a standalone document. So if you sign a release that gives away all your rights through a certain period of time, even if in the package of information your, uh, you had your PCO log, it's going to be difficult to convince a judge that that PCO log that may have gone with the package is somehow part of your release. If you want to make it part of the release, you have to actually write it in the release yourself. So let's talk about mistake number two, not using conditional language in your releases. So a conditional release is a release that is expressly conditioned on payment. So you want to use this when you don't have the money in hand, either when someone promises to give you a check or they, uh, you have a doubt about whether the check is good or not. And as a result, you want to make sure that this release is only good if the check arrives and clears. So how do you do that? You can write this on your release, notwithstanding anything to the contrary, this waiver and release is conditioned upon and not effective until the undersigned receives paid funds of blank. So if you're expecting a $50,000 check, you would write $50,000 in the blank. You would write this on the release. You can write it by hand. You can type it however you want to do it. And what that will do is that will make the release conditioned on you actually receiving those funds in hand. So you can provide a release via email today with it that's conditional, um, knowing that until you get the check, this conditional release is no good. So a few things to watch out for. Sometimes we see release forms that are titled conditional. So on the top of the document, it'll say conditional partial waiver and release. But when you read the document, there's nothing conditional about it. If that's the case, it is not a conditional release. You cannot make a release condition conditional just by changing the title. It has to have language like I just mentioned. You must also include the amount of money to satisfy the condition. So a $10 release that's conditional is conditional on $10. So if you're expecting a $30,000 check and it's, it doesn't say that it's conditioned on $30,000, then it's not conditioned on your receipt of the $30,000. If you are a general contractor 
you need to watch out for conditional releases from those folks that you do not have a direct contract with, like sub subcontractors or suppliers to your subcontractors. And let me explain why. If I'm a general contractor and I'm getting ready to pay my sub, my subcontractor who has a sub sub and a supplier, and that that subcontractor of mine gives me a conditional release from, let's just take the example of the supplier. So the supplier gives the uh, subcontractor a conditional release and the supply and the subcontractor gives that to me. I now hand my check to the subcontractor, but what if the subcontractor never gives the money to the supplier? I'm holding a conditional release from a supplier that I don't know actually has received that money. So it's possible that if the subcontractor does not pay that supplier, I have a release that's now conditioned and therefore worthless. And that supplier could put a lien on the property, may make a claim on my payment bond, so how do I solve this problem as a general contractor? You, you effectively have two options and only two options to be certain. Option number one is to demand an unconditional release from all lower tier trades. So you tell your subcontractor, sorry, but I need an unconditional release from your suppliers and your subcontractors. Because if you don't, I can't give you this check. I'm not giving you this check for a conditional release from them. So that's one option. The other option is to issue joint checks, which I know is a pain, but the only way that you can control the condition of the supplier is to ensure that you pay the supplier so that when the supplier gives you a conditional release, you can satisfy the condition yourself because you're issuing that supplier a joint check in their name. The last mistake, using the wrong through date. So what through date should you use? And what if the through date and payment date don't match? So understand that the through date is the effective date of your release. So whatever the through in the release, that's gonna be the uh, effective date of your release. The through date will always control over the payment amount. This is a, mis a mistake that we see clients make all the time. They say, well, I'm expecting 50,000. They only gave me 30,000 through the end of the month. So I can just carry that $20,000 over to the next month. That is not the case if what you have done is signed a release to the end of the month in exchange for a 30,000 instead of a $50,000 check. If you have done that, you've, what you've done is you've given up $50,000 worth of your rights in exchange for $30,000. So just know that the through date of the release is always gonna control over the amount of the payment you actually receive. So what do you do if the through date and the dollars don't match? You need to change one or the other so they match. So if you're expecting 50,000 and they're only willing to pay you 30,000, then if 50,000 gets you to the end of the month, 30,000 may get you to the 13th of the month, the 26th of the month, the 4th of the month, it, it depends. But whatever, it, whatever that amount of money is that they're paying you for, 
you have to have the through date match that amount of money. If you don't, as I said, the through date's gonna control and as a result, if you give up your lien rights through the end of the month for less money, you're gonna have to live with that. It's not, a judge is not going to rewrite your release because of that mistake. Thank you, have a wonderful day, everybody.